Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out all of our podcasts to discover all of the previous episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter at irish underscore tech news and at facebook.com slash irish tech news. Today's podcast is brought to you by Melanie Boylan. Hello and welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. My name is Melanie Boylan and today I'm joined by James Quinn, who's the CEO of Faradion. Hello, James. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Melanie. Thank you. Very nice to be here. And thank you for taking your time out of your busy day to, to speak to us. We, are, we understand you are quite busy at the moment. Uh, yes, we're definitely very busy at the moment. It's, it's a good problem. <laughs> so today we wanted to talk about sustainable energy transition and what comes after the lithium battery. Now, you have got a product that is beyond lithium. Tell us about it, please, James. Yeah, so Faradian was uh, really the first ones in the world to develop a technology called sodium ion technology. So we all have heard of lithium ion technology. Sodium ion um, uses a different chemistry. It doesn't use the same kind of expensive um, and, and, you know, environmentally rare raw materials in lithium, such as cobalt and copper and, and graphite and lithium and so forth. We're primarily sodium-based, which is uh, sixth most abundant element on the planet. So it's virtually unlimited. Uh, and it's a, certainly a more sustainable technology uh, because we don't use these expensive uh, raw materials. Um, it's, it's a lower cost. And, and um, it really provides a lot of additional opportunities that lithium ion doesn't in terms of safety uh, and, and performance as well. So you say it's most, one, one of the most abundant things on the earth. How do you get hold of it? That's interesting. There's, I mean, first of all, sodium chloride, it's like table salt, essentially. It's, it's available most anywhere. There's quite a bit in the UK and in pretty much everywhere. It's in the ocean. Uh, it's in the ground. You can harvest sodium. It costs about $150 a ton to harvest sodium. Uh, according to a research report I saw from Stanford University, compared to about 15,000 a ton to mine lithium. Wow. And, and so it's a, certainly a much more sustainable, it's a less uh, damage to the environment. Um, and, and it makes it, um, you know, it's, it's a very high performing uh, technology as well. Is, is there less byproduct to it as well? Uh, what do you mean in terms of left byproduct? Uh, well, is there anything that's left um, after you've processed it that's damaging or in because the, lithium there is? No, yeah, I mean, no, we don't we don't have the the kind of the mining and I mean, lithium has a lot of different components in it. Copper, mm. one of them, cobalt, in which I think we've a lot of us have all heard about cobalt, which is you know, uh, informally mined, which is a euphemism uh, for child labor uh, <laughs> in the Congos. And many you know, companies are trying to get away from that and to use less cobalt. Uh, and fortunately for sodium ion technology, we don't use any of those, those kinds of materials. So it's certainly a, a more environmentally and more sustainable technology. It sounds more ethical as well. It's certainly more ethical as well. Mm. So how did you get into the business, James? 
Um, I've been in the in the technology business for a long time. I originally had a, my own uh, company in Palo Alto, in California, in Silicon Valley, and it was a semiconductor related company, and sold that to a public company in in Germany, which is where I'm sitting today. And uh, and I've done four or five startups. I became really a serial entrepreneur, and and um, was attracted to Ferradian through my network. Uh, they contacted me. Ferradian's been around for about 10 years developing wow. this technology. It takes about 10 years to develop a new battery chemistry. You, you hear a lot of things about battery innovation, but there's very few new chemistries that you'll hear about. And uh, sodium ion is one of those new chemistries that's coming out into the market. And, and my job was really brought in by the investors and the founders to commercialize the technology and bring the technology uh, to the market. And, and that's really what we're doing. I've been with Ferradian now for about two years, mm-hmm. close to two years. Um, and boy, it's, uh, it, I think it's the first business I've been in where my kids actually understand what I do. Uh, you know, <laughs> first thing they get in my car, they say, I need to charge my phone, you know? So <laughs> I think uh, everybody understands, uh, uh, you know, batteries in that respect. So the adaptability is available to everything. What, what can it help? The, I'm sorry, I didn't know. The way it's adapted, so what can it yeah. charge? Yeah, so sodium ion um, is very similar to, to lithium ion. In fact, we manufacture sodium ion on the exact same equipment that lithium ion is manufactured. So that's done a couple of things. It's enabled us to be extremely cost efficient, uh, capital efficient as a company developing a new technology because we leverage that existing infrastructure. Um, and all of the know-how and all of the experience that's been developed over lithium ion for the last few decades is embedded into our technology. So we really stand on the shoulders of, of lithium ion. Um, our, our, you know, maybe the best way to think about the markets or the applications is uh, we haven't focused on passenger vehicles uh, up front uh, for, for a couple of reasons. One, there's it's still a relatively small market, although it's getting a lot of the sexy headlines. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's still a relatively small market. To, to give you an idea, Tesla last year sold 500,000 cars and Volkswagen sold 11 million. Um, wow, okay. <laughs> Tesla, Tesla's market cap is bigger than 10 of the leading automotive companies combined. So, so the investment is really looking towards the future here. And um, so, so our focus has been more on, you know, maybe the best way to think about it is if it's big, heavy, uh, stand still or move slow, it's a good application for, for adium and sodium ion technology. So that means energy storage applications. So mm-hmm. residential, uh, commercial, industrial, utility and grid scale, uh, also telecom, cable, so 5G, those kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, data centers, like, you know, for Facebook or, or Amazon data centers. Um, and then in terms of mobility side, we focus as the, this is the move slow part or heavy. It's uh, for uh, electric buses and trucks, for example, um, forklifts for like Amazon warehouses and um, uh, low speed electric vehicles. And, just, you know, I think this, the, the, the development of electronic vehicles has really increased with e-bikes now and uh, scooters and, and um, three wheelers in India, for example, is a very big market. So low speed electric vehicles. Uh, buses and trucks, and then energy storage type applications. 
So very similar to what you would see with lithium ion. Um, and, and, but we haven't really focused on, uh, as a startup, it's very difficult to focus on a market like passenger EVs. It's long design cycles. Uh, there's a lot of big, big players in there jockeying for mm. position right now. And uh, you can't be all thanks to all people as you're starting to roll out the technology uh, into the market. So where would I find a sodium ion battery um, if I wanted to purchase one? Yeah, so we have, um, we're really focused on a partnership in Australia, for example, on bringing uh, residential energy storage. So that's an area that we'll see us rolling out now. Um, you may find it in some electric buses in India that we're starting to work on uh, with some of the partnerships in, in India. Um, you may actually surprisingly find them from lead acid companies. What a lot of people don't realize is that while, while lithium is getting all the sexy headlines, as I said, um, the market is still 70% lead acid in terms of number of gigawatt or, or megawatt hours per year. Um, the, the, the lead acid companies want to find a higher performing technology, but lead acid is a very low cost technology. It's been around for a long time. It still grows at a 6% compound annual growth because it works and it's inexpensive, but it's not a high performing technology. And so we provide lithium ion type performance at or the cost of ownership or below lead acid. And so this enables them to go up to a higher performing technology without going to a big you know, uh, price increase with, with uh, lithium ion, for example. And, and so it's a broad range of applications. We're talking to a number of the very large telco companies right now because they're um, looking to expand uh, you know, with 5G and, and different type applications. They're putting, they're putting um, uh, these, these storage units into more densely populated areas mm-hmm. and they want to have a safer technology to be able to do that. And uh, in, in, in sodium ion really presents not just a sustainability, but also a safer alternative to lithium ion technology. So it's easier to dispose of and that sort of thing as well. Well, yeah, it's also, it's thermally more stable than, than lithium ion often becomes unstable in, in cold temperatures or overcharging and undercharging and, and, and sodium ion presents some uh, much more resistance to abuse than you would see with, with lithium ion technology. Before we started recording, I asked you about um, sodium ion in aircraft because I, I know lithium is very dangerous in aircraft. Um, t- tell me what you said. Yeah, I, I think I started off with saying, remember when we used to be able to fly, uh, <laughs> travel? Uh, it seems like it's been some time ago. Um, but, uh, and then, you know, for me, I always say there's two kinds of luggage, carry on and lost. And so <laughs> if you do have to reluctantly check in a bag, you have to take out your lithium ion batteries before you do that. And, and as a result, um, that's because lithium ion becomes unstable in, in these cold temperatures, uh, in the cargo hold, and, and uh, you know, these become problematic and they can, can, can catch fire. Part of it is um, lithium ion has a couple of advantages, uh, or sodium ion has a few advantages over it. First of all, we, we use a hard carbon anode where lithium uses graphite. And the hard carbon anode enables us to have a broader selection of electrolyte material. 
which is essentially a low volatility, high flashpoint. So it doesn't catch fire so easy. Right. Uh, different temperatures. And typically what happens with lithium is the electrolytes become unstable and interact with the copper. And, and then that's where they start to become unstable and, and can catch fire. Uh, we don't have any copper in our technology. We don't have any graphite or any lithium. And so the hard carbon, the, the low volatility electrolyte, and the aluminum electrodes enable us to have a much more stable uh, technology in that way. And, and much safer. Much safer. So it's yeah. not just more sustainable and environmentally friendly. It's actually a safer technology. With lithium ion, and I think we discussed this before, when you, when you get a new iPhone or you open up your, your iPad out, out of the box and you turn it on for the first time, there's always 30, 40% charge in there. Mm. And it's not for your convenience so you can start using the, the new products right away. It's because they always have to have a 30 to 40% state of charge. Uh, you don't always see that because it's often managed from the battery management system inside the software, but there always needs to be a state of charge. Otherwise, they become really unstable. With sodium ion technology, we can actually completely discharge the, the cells to zero volts. So there's, they're essentially inactive. It's like a bag of electrolyte. We can short those cells. They can be shipped under less onerous conditions than lithium ion. You can install them. Uh, in, in the home uh, as, as zero volt and then power them up afterwards. If you go away on vacation, you can discharge it down to zero volts again. And, and there's no degradation in shelf life or, or bounce back or anything. It's, um, it's a very, very stable and very unique component of, of sodium ion and ferradian in particular, because we were the first ones in sodium ion, uh, we were able to patent that innovation related to it. So we actually have a patent on being able to discharge a cell to zero volt, which right. is a very unique feature for, for us. And, and it seems to be getting a lot of interest in the market because safety as you know, it safety is always important, but I think, mm. I think it's, we've all seen videos of lithium fires and, and, you know, I don't want to throw lithium under the bus, <laughs> but I mean, it, it is something that is well known and, and um, sodium does provide a safer alternative. So this technically makes you market leaders? We are definitely the market leader yeah. in terms of sodium ion technology. We're also the world leader in terms of highest energy density um, because we were the first ones in this space. And I'll tell you about that, actually. We were the first ones in this space. It was really a white space. And we were able to carve out really a minefield of IP and know-how around sodium ion technology. So we were able to, you know, really, really process thousands of different kinds of materials and then really patent the ones that we felt were the highest energy density and the best performing materials. So as other players came into the market after us, they had a more limited uh, selection of materials to choose from and end up with more niche market type focuses where Ferradian has really, I think, the broadest access to a broad range of markets as a result of that. We have over 30 patent families. Um, a lot of our patents, we have, of course, we have process know-how, but that's difficult to defend. You can't go in someone's factory and see how they're making something if they're violating your, your IP. Our, a lot of our core technology is what we call state of matter IP. So you can essentially open up the cell and see if somebody violated your patents by the choice of material, the architecture, uh, things of that nature. 
Well, we're certainly t- talking to the right person about this, aren't we? Um, so you've told us that, you, you know, of the various markets um, and applications, but what about geographic locations? Yeah, so it's it really applies to everywhere. I think we've had a huge uh, interest in India, I would have to say. Um, you know, we've had uh, quite a collaboration with Tata in India. There's, they seem to be really a market leader in a, in a, in a number of ways there in India. And, and why is India um, a big market opportunity for us? First of all, it's about similar size uh, as China in terms of population, second largest population worldwide, uh, largest importer of oil worldwide by far. Um, and, and if you look at the 30 most polluted cities in the world, 22 are in India. Mm. And, and um, you know, I think if, if India wants to get away from dependence on oil from the Middle East, and clean up their environment and go to renewable energies, then they become dependent on China. And, and today, um, and I can give a little background on that, China really dominates the lithium ion market worldwide. Uh, they have the, the, about 75 to 80% of the worldwide manufacturing capacity for lithium ion. They have 30 times the lithium reserves compared to the US. They control 72% of the world cobalt refinement. They have 65% of the world's graphite supply. So even if you want to build lithium ion technology in Europe, in, in Ireland, UK or India, or Australia, wherever, you're still dependent on the supply chain from China for the materials. And why is that important? 80% of the cost of a cell is the materials. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter where you do it. And so I think India has really seen an opportunity to go, you know, rather than coming up with another Me Too technology and, and doing lithium ion and having a dependency shift from Middle East towards China. Um, and there's a big push right now for made in India. You can have a vertically integrated supply chain mm-hmm. you can actually source the material locally. Tata actually is pretty famous in India. Almost every table you will see Tata salt uh, in people's home. And so they have a, a lot of experience with that and um, it enables you to actually have a, um, really achieve energy security. And, and I think, you know, if you look at the geopolitical landscape for oil, I mean, we all know about wars being fought over oil and mm-hmm. politics related to, to oil. Um, and that's all about energy security. And, and sodium ion enables a place like India or wherever to be able to achieve energy security. So take charge of your own, your own future. And, and that means economic security, it's environmental security, and it's national security. And that seems to have resonated quite well uh, in, in these markets. And they can use the same infrastructure as lithium ion. So they can you know, start delivering lithium ion initially, and then they can also scale up with sodium ion to ultimately break free of that uh, dependence on those supply chains. You made quite a good point about the geopolitical aspect, um, you know, in like the Paris Agreement, climate change parameters and, you know, certain goals that each country has. Is that helping, um, you know, with your messaging? Can you use that as part of your messaging to educate people about the value of sodium ion? I, I would say definitely yes. And it really, it really depends. I think, you know, I've had this conversation in India, you know, there's been a lot of incentives for, uh, for people to buy, you know, electric two-wheelers, for example, in, in India. Um, but people buy them initially because of the subsidies and, and the things from the government. And then later they say, oh, and I'm helping the environment. It's not the trigger to purchase it up front. 
And, and, and I think, you know, ultimately we need to get away from that. I think there's been a massive increase in, in awareness in terms of climate and sustainability. Uh, my daughter's in the university now studying environmental sciences and, and so forth. So, so, you know, I think the, the generations coming up are, are really holding us more and more accountable um, in terms of being corporately socially responsible uh, and, and, and to be able to, to really have, you know, this becomes part of your performance evaluation as a company is how you can, uh, you know, address those social responsibility. And, and so I do think it's definitely become a bigger issue, certainly from the corporate side. Uh, I think from the, the generations are going to start demanding more and more, you know, sustainability in terms of technology and, and, and practices as a company. And I think as a CEO, you have to embrace that uh, going forward. That's part of how your performance will be measured. Mm-hmm. Not just revenue and not just those numbers, but overall performance in terms of your social responsibility. And, and the company also really should have a purpose, not just make money. Uh, it should also have a purpose uh, to, to bring the technology in a market that has a meaningful uh, transition in, in our case. Yeah, I've got to agree with you there. That I, I think one of the most important aspects of a brand is the trust that they imbue um, and if it's if it's all about positive messaging supporting um, s- sustainability your local economy let's say as well um, I honestly think that would be a better sort of flag waver for the brand than how much money it makes them and, and that sort of thing um, so your particular model, um, are you going to be um, sort of adding locations in different parts of the world or are you going to be shipping? Yeah, so um, I'm sitting in Germany <laughs> right now. We have, a, we have a group in Germany. We have two offices in the UK. Uh, we're getting ready to send some people to Australia to opening up that market. We have a partner in Australia. Um, yeah, so absolutely, we will uh, before long be having partners in in India as well, uh, mm-hmm. the U.S. So, so we will be looking to expand. The you know we we leverage the existing infrastructure, so that's a big um, capital advantage for us mm-hmm. to manufacture on the same lines as lithium ion. So we don't have to build smokestacks and factories everywhere. We can leverage the ones that are already there. Uh, our business model is to provide product directly to the customers in the end. If you're innovating a technology, you cannot just license it out and throw it over the fence and have someone else solve it. You need mm-hmm. to work closely with the customers to, to continue to inch the technology forward and, and continue to innovate. And so that's our business model is to provide cells and, and packs to customers depending on their applications. And how are you going to educate the general public? It's one thing to educate corporately, but how are you going to educate the general public in what this change is? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I, 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 I think I mentioned to you earlier, a friend of ours had wrote a book called um, Corporate Social Responsibility is Not Public Relations. And, and, and I think you see a lot of, a lot of companies, um, you know, what do they call it? Greenwashing. I heard a term the other day, which I, I like that term. It's like you just post something up, it's PR and it's all sounds good and you think you tick the box. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, it's a good question. I'm not sure I have the answer to that. How do we communicate to the general public? I, I think it's like any kind of messaging. You just have to, 
you know, be consistent and do it over and over again. And, and I, I think an opportunity like this is, is part of the way of getting the message out. Uh, it's in any, you know, I don't want to say press release, but anytime we do any kind of announcements or partnerships, we always emphasize uh, the fact that we don't use these, these you know, um, expensive raw materials, the, the less sustainable raw materials. Uh, and we really try to emphasize that as well. I guess it's really difficult as a business, as yourself, to educate people because it sounds like it might potentially be in, in position of self-interest. Um, so maybe you could find an ambassador or an advocate who is already a, a sort of science communicator of some description who can advocate for sodium iron rather than your sodium iron batteries. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's a great, a great idea. Maybe we need to, you know, uh, endorse some ambassadors in that way. We've, there are definitely people that are in the industry and the science community that have definitely said, like, for example, in India, um, some of the famous scientists have said, you know, India needs to go to sodium ion technology, not lithium. And this is people we haven't had conversations with directly. Mm -hmm. uh, so like you said, it's not Ferrati and it's really moving towards sodium ion directly. Mm -hmm. I think there is a there. It's quite interesting because I'm noticing now. In the beginning, we had to get people to embrace the strategic nature of sodium ion technology, and now we're seeing from from blue chip tier one companies, um, you know, RFQs coming in, requests for quotes coming in for sodium ion technology, and you know, from from everything from some automotive companies for buses, mm. we've seen it from some of the telecom companies. Actually, I've seen it from a couple of telecom companies in the UK that specifically request sodium ion. And I'd like to think that's part of, uh, you know, they seem <laughs> radiant as part of that, uh, that value chain for them. Well, maybe the way forward is to, you know, spread the word amongst um, science communicators and climate activists and climate scientists. Um, and then they're not so much sort of Freddy and this, Freddy and that, but the innovation. Um, and that's what we need to push, not a particular brand, but the fact that this can change things globally. I, I agree with that. And I, I think it's a really good point. It's something that I probably need to give some more thought to, you know, to, to do that on a more intentional basis. So mm -hmm. one, one thing we've done is we've created the Wikipedia page on sodium ion. And we've tried to do that very objectively, where we, you know, really also list other competitors that, that are also offering sodium ion. And we talk about the differences between the technologies and chemistries and, and things like that. Because sodium ion, like lithium ion, uh, there's different flavors of lithium ion. Some use cobalt, some don't, and, and there's different flavors. And I think the general public is not really savvy with the subtleties between the different lithium chemistries. Mm. It is similar with sodium ion. I think one advantage is sodium's not lithium. So people sort of inherently get that it doesn't have some of those other things in it. And, and it's, it's, inherently more safe because you don't hear about any sodium fires, you know? Well, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, so, but there are different kinds of sodium. Some of them are using vanadium, which is really not the, the ideal chemistry. It's illegal in Japan, for example, and so oh, forth. Okay. So, but, but there are different flavors of it. And we try to educate, uh, you know, for the community uh, about sodium ion. And 
I think as, as having a, a team of, you know, mostly researchers for the last 10 years, they're very uh, interested in, in moving the scientific community forward. Mm. And you have to have a lot of transparency uh, while you're doing totally. it. Totally. Yeah. It's the transparency that's important, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, you know, each time I spend time speaking to people on this podcast about sustainability, about climate change, about educating others, I am literally sitting here learning myself every single time. Um, this has been fascinating, James. I am going to look more into um, sodium mines myself um, and better educate myself and see what I can find that I can bring into my own life at some stage. I know it's not commercially available, it's all publicly available at the moment, it's more commercial, but you know, it's gonna happen. It will happen. It will be integrated into everyday life at some stage. And I'd like to be one of the early adopters. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. um, There's an expression, you have to eat your own dog food. Um, a, a friend of mine has a dog food company. He said, if you wouldn't eat your own dog food, you shouldn't feed it to your dog. And I think it's the same thing with our technology is, you know, you need to have it in your own home, right? And, and so that's the right way. Good. <laughs> Well, thank you again for your time, James. Um, that's all we've got time for for now. But we'll be back very soon with some more movers and shakers who will be shaping our world. Thank you very much, Melanie. Appreciate the opportunity. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. You can sign up for more at our email digest, which does a weekly summary of all of our podcasts. Or you can follow us on your preferred podcast platform. Or follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news or Facebook or LinkedIn or our website irishtechnews.ie. Thanks for listening.